Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. On college campuses all across America, we've seen that anti-Semitism reigns supreme. It's not something that's happening here and there. It's everywhere. It's not something that's random. It has been fortified. It has been nurtured. It has progressed. It isn't the last college president or university president that has allowed this to to build and grow. It has been university presidents. It has been those in the campus environment, those professors that have been left unchecked everywhere to allow this to build and allow this to happen. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you guys. This is William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And and you follow these things. You cover these things over at at Legal Insurrection. You have a series of of organizations, whether it's the Legal Insurrection Foundation, things you've been doing regarding DEI, et cetera, sir. And we've talked many times uh, about the law, but but your experiences as a professor uh, in a university like Cornell, and it's Cornell that sent out this statement yesterday. Cornell Hillel, it's a a place where Jews gather and pray and socialize, is aware of a threatening statement that was directed toward the building at 104 West, which houses the university's kosher and multicultural dining hall, as well as more generally toward Jewish students, faculty, and staff. Cornell University administration has been made aware of this concerning language and the Cornell Police Department is monitoring the situation. At this time, we advise students and staff to avoid the building out of an abundance of caution. The Jewish students and other students, William Jacobson, were told not to go to a building. Next, it's going to be don't leave your dorm room. This is not the first instance of something happening On the Cornell campus, you had a professor saying that the Hamas attack thrilled them. You have uh, graffiti on the ground at Cornell saying blank Israel and free Palestine from the from the ground zero of Cornell. What's happening, sir? Yeah, well, you know, Cornell at a superficial level has very good Israel relations, very good Jewish student relations. But there's a very deep, nasty vitriolic undercurrent on the campus. I don't know what the exact percentage of students it is, maybe 10%, maybe 15%, but they're the most vocal and the most active. And the same goes for the faculty. You've got probably 10%, maybe 15% of the faculty who are nonstop demonizing Israel. And so there's this undercurrent happening on campus that may not be visible to a lot of people who are not aware of it. And that's what you're seeing percolate up to the surface now that they feel emboldened with the Hamas attack on Israel and the fact that they may achieve their goal or they think they're going to achieve their goal, which is the destruction of Israel. And they're not shy about that. They want Israel gone. And that's what's happening on campus is that the 10 or 15 percent who are the most vocal have been emboldened. You, the, the 10 or 15 percent, that's an anecdotal number. I, yes, I, it's I, not a survey. It's my impression. Uh, but that 10 or 15 percent, if we're going to use that number and let's let's uh, hedge towards the 15. And I think we're yeah. still low there. Um, that 15 percent is nationwide. 
What we're seeing on college campuses, whether it's Harvard or University of Pennsylvania, whether it's Columbia, uh, or we're seeing things down uh, in, in, in southern states, everywhere, there has been this unleashing of we should support Hamas, not the idea of we should support the people of Gaza, but an actual supporting of Hamas, an actual supporting of kill the Jews, We whether whether you're talking about people ripping down the signs of the missing or putting up uh, their own postings and then losing uh, their, their jobs. How has this been able to build on college campuses for so long? Right. I mean, it's pretty shocking. At George Washington University, they projected onto the side of a building, building glory to our martyrs. I mean, this sounds like jihadist talk. This sounds like somebody you'd expect to hear from, you know, wrapped in black with an ISIS flag. That's what's on our campuses. That's how emboldened they are. Glory to our martyrs. So they completely identify with the butchers who tortured, raped, and mutilated people in Israel. So how did it happen? It happened over time. It happened with an ongoing, nonstop demonization of Israel through the so-called boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Periodically, for a decade, there have been resolutions issued on college campuses to boycott Israel. Most of them fail, some of them pass, but that's not why they bring them. They bring them so the entire campus can spend two to three months talking about how evil Israel is. Uh, they don't do that for China. They don't do that for any other country that has massive rights. So that's how it happened. And the faculty, those vocal faculty, mostly in the humanities and social sciences, are extremely out there. They're leading this. They're engaged with it. It's their academic life is to be anti-Israel activists. So this has been percolating for a long time. Let's uh, let's get back to a little bit of something from Cornell, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Uh, these are some of the, um, the statements that were made uh, supposedly at uh, Cornell uh, if I see another Jew on campus, if I see a pig male Jew, I will stab you. And I don't think I could say the rest uh, on radio or even in, in video. Um, nowhere is safe. Your synagogues will become graveyards. Never mind what they'll do uh, to the women. The children will be beheaded and then glory to Allah. I read those things. And I say to myself, man, if you want to make a group of people look bad, that's exactly the kind of post you would put out. And then you see the amount of people protesting, saying those things in public, on camera, across uh, uh, America. Have the university started after now three and a half weeks uh, or four weeks uh, since this attack uh, in, in, in Israel that murdered 1,400 from the Hamas barbarians? Have they started realizing, hey, maybe we've got a problem here? I don't think they have. I don't think they have. And let me say about those posts, those were not on a Cornell forum. They are legitimate posts, meaning they actually happened at a place that's frequented by students on the Internet. And um, we don't know who did it. And, and you know me, we're always very evidence-based. I can't point the finger at a particular person. We know those were made. We just don't know who did it or for what purpose or how serious they are. So I, I think that's background. We can't say a Cornell student posted that or a Cornell professor posted that. We just don't know. Uh, but that being said, it is consistent 
with the sort of verbiage you hear on a lot of campuses. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What does that mean? That means the destruction of Israel. What does the destruction of Israel mean? We know what it means because Hamas just showed us what it means. It means genocide. Uh, you know, intifada, intifada. What was the intifada? The intifada was a suicide bombing campaign by Palestinians that killed over a thousand Israelis uh, over a decade ago. I think it was almost 20 years ago. Uh, so this is these are calls for violence on campus that I've never seen for any other cause or any other cause that's so tolerated. We all believe in free speech. That's fine. But these are gross acts of intimidation. I mean, can you imagine how a university would react if students were marching, protesting in favor of lynching blacks? OK, wouldn't be tolerated for a second. But you and, have shouldn't people, you, and it shouldn't be. But you have people marching and saying almost precisely the same thing with regard to Jews. And the university is, oh, well, you know, it's just, kids will be kids. It's but I, I haven't heard them say that. What, what I what I have heard them say is make a very interesting argument about uh, free speech. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. We're not discussing free speech. We aren't having a conversation about whether the students can support, uh, can say free Palestine or even chant genocide. We're saying, why is there no response? That's the question we're asking the universities. Why is there no strong response to, listen, we, you did this. Do you understand how disgusting this is and how absolutely immoral it is? And we should be questioning what, what kind of students you are. Why yeah, can't I mean, you say that? I mean, these universities, which would ruin your life if you did a so-called microaggression, okay? Or ruin your life if you misgendered somebody by accident or ruin your life if you said, well, men are men and women are women. Those same universities don't do much of anything for this. So it's a question of equal application. If you want a completely free speech campus, you can have it, but it can't be free speech just for the Israel haters and not free speech for everybody else. So let me uh, share share this with you right here. This was a, a headline over over at the New York Post. The Apollo CEO Mark Rowan, this was Charles Gasparino reporting, hits back at UPenn leadership after anti-Semitism on uh, campus. And this goes to a lot of different CEOs and business professionals who have contributed millions of dollars to universities, whether it's John Hudson to the University of Pennsylvania or it was Leon Cooperman uh, to Columbia uh, saying, no more, we're not giving uh, to you anymore. Has this happened at Cornell where you, where you are a professor? And is this a trend that can take hold? I don't know if it's happened at Cornell. Certainly there's been no public announcements that I've seen, like you've seen at UPenn and a couple of other schools, Columbia. So I don't know, you know, I am uh, not in the loop of the multi-million dollar donor conversations with Cornell. Uh, so I don't know, Cornell, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting that no, no such movement has been created at Cornell that you've seen on other campuses. And will it take hold? I don't know, I'm not real optimistic about that. Universities are extremely adept at manipulating donors and uh, getting donors to continue to contribute. Maybe there'll be a lull for a year, but I don't think it's going to have any long-term impact because university knows, universities know how to manipulate it. 
So if, if that's the case, and we've discussed this before, where the, the university will, will spin it and say, we're trying to do better. Come share with us how we can be better. And don't forget to give. The more that's you right. give, the more access that, that you get. That's what you're talking about with, with the manipulation. But, but has there been a, amongst a professor set, whether it's uh, Cornell, have you heard from others, how do you fix the Jew-hating problem on campus? Because, I mean, we can call it the anti-Semitism problem, but it is what it is. And and have have has there been any conversations growing of of that? Not that I know of, but you know, in fairness, I don't have a lot of communications with a lot of other professors because I am you know their sore thumb. I am the the you know conservative professor on campus, so I not like I huddle with a lot of professors. I know there are some who are concerned about it, but I'm not a- aware of conversation. And you know, I, to your point, you know, why is this Jew hatred rather than just Israel hatred? If this was any other group that liberated its ancestral homeland, if any other place that the indigenous people had taken back their land, other than Jews doing it in Israel, it would be celebrated if indigenous Americans, Native Americans did it. You know, Cornell now has the land acknowledgement statement that has to be has to be read at the start of every event. So what they celebrate that. Why don't they celebrate Jews reclaiming their land from the people who invaded it centuries later, in fact, millennia later, later? And why don't why isn't that celebrated? We know why it's not celebrated, because they're Jews doing it in a Muslim region. Now, this was uh, you, I, I believe you sent a letter. To your university, I, I, I believe it is. Uh, you, you posted that letter over at your site, legalinsurrection.com, uh, and it, it had the, the headline right here, my call to action for the Cornell Board of Trustees. And you write, the toxic campus culture in which a professor to the cheers of students was exhilarated by the Hamas attack on Israel cannot be cured by the current administration which has contributed to the failure through a DEI balkanization of the campus. The entire campus DEI program and agenda needs to be revisited, reworked, or removed. Now, if you ask me, sir, the answer is removed. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of regretting giving them those choices. Yeah. I think it needs uh, to be removed. But in, in 60 seconds, does what we're seeing about the bigotry on campus have that much to do with DEI, which is more of a new phenomenon in terms of public publicly? Yes, it does, because it's new for people who aren't, and there's no reason they should be paying attention to campuses. But this is, again, a decade or more in the making. When you look back at the history of the boycott resolutions brought against Israel, it's always coalitions of student groups of color, so-called of color, versus white Israel. This has been a consistent theme for at least a decade, including at Cornell. When they bring forth the motion for boycotting Israel, they do it with 10 or 15 student groups of color. So the racialization of the campuses has been a key aspect of the demonization of Israel and of Jews on campuses. And we're going to continue that uh, conversation. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, I appreciate you being here. I'm Tony Katz. Now, I had to let my radio audience go right there. That is a remarkable, remarkable thing to to note. And it is true that in the case of Israel, which is not per se a white nation, 
The perception amongst the progressive left, the socialists here, is to engage it in that way so therefore they can put together the oppressed oppressor nomenclature, yes. that Marxism that they know and love. And that's what you're addressing in, the, in this piece to them. That's right. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. It can't be easy being a conservative professor on that campus right now. But it's not easy for any of us, which is the whole point. And the universities have no interest in trying to correct the behavior. Claiming, as I said, claiming the free speech argument is different. They can say it, but don't you stand up and say, man, that's disgusting. That's also free speech. Why don't you say it? I'm looking for a way for universities to get better at this. And the answer is they don't want to get better at this, which is why I favor taking the money. Stop donating to these schools. Stop donating. Stop being an alumnist. Don't worry about having your name on the building. If you have your name on the building in one of these schools, one of these colleges, that's embarrassing because you have allowed this to happen and you have not put your thumb down to say, are you nuts? Get my money and allow this bigotry? Kiss off. A lot of other places you can put your money. A lot of other places to get your ego soothed. Stop giving these people your money. Stop doing it now. That's one way to get these universities to learn. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. So the plan now is to go after the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and complain that this guy's problem is he's too much of a Christian. Isn't that right, Jen Psaki? So let's take a few minutes to talk about this new speaker. First glance, Mike Johnson does seem fine, fine-ish. Conservative, yes, but he once started a civility caucus with a Democrat. And I mean, if nothing else, he wears a suit and has glasses. How threatening can this guy actually be? Well, he gave us all a little clue as to how he would govern in an interview this week. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was an act of God. Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. So what exactly has God apparently called on Mike Johnson to do? Well, his views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. They're more divisive than they are divine. What else would you expect from Jen Psaki, who is not good at this at all and doesn't have anything new to offer? And if my choice is between somebody who follows the Bible for their worldview and someone who follows the Communist Manifesto for their worldview, now, I think that it is clear that while we have a Judeo-Christian underpinning, we may have a fair amount of things to look at outside of the Bible itself. That's a debate and a conversation I'm more than happy to have. But understand what Jen Psaki is saying. Christians not welcome like the secularists have done us any good at all. A lot of hate in Jen Psaki's words right there. Just curious how Christians are going to respond to it. 
This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Andre Carson sees himself as a tough guy. I am not surprised. And I don't think anybody else is. For anybody who knows the story of Andre Carson, anybody who lives in in Indiana, knows that this is a guy who clearly has got a chip. A guy who is only in Congress because his grandmother was Julia Carson. There is no other reason why anybody votes for Andre Carson. A guy who has allowed himself to attend events with people on terrorist watch lists only to then say, oh, that was a mistake when caught. A guy who has not only befriended, but refuses to condemn Louis Farrakhan. I mean, this is just embarrassing, embarrassing, shameful stuff. As I've discussed on my shows repeatedly, the man makes bad, bad decisions. And I once was accused of saying, oh, you just don't like Andre Carson because he's a Muslim. Oh, I had a reporter desperately try and get me to to say that. Desperately try to to spin me into saying that. But you can't get me to say something I don't want to say. Because it's not true. Noticing what a person is. Noticing what they do. Noticing who they interact with. Well, I mean, that's just an observational skill that I happen to have. And you happen to have. And the one of the things uh, that they hate, they being the people who support Andre Carson, is that you notice things. Well, I noticed, of course, a long time ago that Andre Carson only has a job in Indianapolis as a member of Congress because of his grandmother. Because she had accomplishments, whether I like them or not, he has none. Except uh, now. Until now, he had none. And now, not only is he a fan of Jew-hater Louis Farrakhan, he has managed to become a fan of Jew-hater Rashida Tlaib. And he himself won't condemn Hamas, but doesn't like it when you notice what he does. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going down, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. So the story goes that uh, there are divisions amongst the Democrats because of the support of Hamas that comes from Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Cory Bush, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, the people calling for ceasefire. A call to ceasefire is support of Hamas. It is what it is what it is. And if you don't want to take my word for it, that is completely and totally fine Take this lady's word for it. People who are calling for a ceasefire now do not understand Hamas. That is not possible. It would be such a gift to Hamas because they would spend whatever time there was a ceasefire in effect rebuilding their uh, armaments, you know, creating stronger positions to be able to fend off uh, an eventual um, assault by the Israelis. So. We're in a very different world. I don't think it had to be the world we're in, but that's where we are, and we've got to figure our way uh, forward through it. That's Hillary Clinton. That's Hillary Clinton. A ceasefire would be a gift for Hamas. I say it differently. Pushing for a ceasefire is support of Hamas.
if it allows them to rearm, as Hillary Clinton points out, because while she's terrible, she's not completely insane. Remember, she is still in some ways a Democrat, like Joe Biden is still in some ways a Democrat. This is what they came up with. This is what they grew up with. They're not part of this Jew-hating, Democratic Socialist of America nonsense stuff. All Democratic Socialists are Jew-haters. End of list. I've already been through this. It is easy to understand. It is easy to say. Every other commentary is a complete and total lie told by liars. How do I know this? The Democratic Socialists of America are totally fine with Hamas. So, I don't have to think about it anymore, and neither do you. They're Jew haters. All Democratic Socialists are communists. They're all anti-Semites, rabid anti-Semites, and all Marxists are anti-Semites as well. Isn't that right, Representative Pramila Jayapal? I clarified that what I meant is that the existence of Israel is absolutely legitimate, and I think the world has come to see it as legitimate. However, there are racists within the Netanyahu government, and there are racist policies that Israel has been carrying out. That's nothing, Pramila Jayapal. Check out the anti-Semites who are your friends in your squad. Wait, is Pramila Jayapal part of the squad? Oh, is she on the outside? Ah, she shouldn't be. She is just as guilty. The progressive movement is a movement with basis in Jew hate, and they prove it every day. Why are we questioning what it is we see and know to be true? Because they prove it true. Because they want to come up with some other words and engage some kind of rhetoric? Screw them. They're not in charge of of anything. You see it. You recognize it. And you know these people. F these people. These people are the worst. Andre Carson is amongst them. But Andre Carson decided that he needs to be a tough guy. Chip on his shoulder, as he has. He voted against the resolution that that says the House stands with Israel and defends itself, uh, and, and it can defend itself against Hamas and other terrorists. And one of those who is upset with Carson is Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Democrat. And he says, last night, 15 of my colleagues voted against standing with our ally Israel and condemning Hamas terrorists who brutally murdered, raped, and kidnapped babies, children, men, women, and elderly, including Americans. They are despicable and do not speak for our party. He had put that on... uh, on uh, X, he put that on the on the X. Well, Andre Carson, oh, he isn't going to get talked to you like that. Oh, no, 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 no. Congressman Andre Carson of the Indiana 7th decides to call him a coward and a punk, and then... Cowardly. I think he's uh, uh, not acting in the role as a member of Congress. I think he's shown himself to be very emotional. Like most cowardly people, when you confront them, they're afraid. Um... Uh, I'm unafraid of the guy. And if he wants to call us despicable, I'm saying he's a coward and he's a punk. And he should remember why the people sent him here. And if he wants to play some kind of tough guy or gangster, we can handle it like gentlemen and we can get into something else. We can handle it like gentlemen or we can get into something else. Let me break this down in just to a couple of parts, okay? First, calling the guy emotional is one thing. But then when you get emotional, it kind of discredits calling the other guy emotional. 
And we should be clear that in this interview, which this comes from CNN and they did the, the editing there, uh, he starts getting emotional. Um, I'm unafraid of the guy. And if he wants to call us despicable, I'm saying he's a coward and he's a punk and he should remember why the people sent him here. And if he wants to play some kind of tough guy or gangster, we can handle it like gentlemen and we can get into something else. That's him getting emotional. You can actually hear it in his voice. Calls it calls him cowardly is one thing. Calls him a punk now. We're into name calling. We can handle it like gentlemen or we can get into something else. Now the question is, what's the something else? I remember when there was a, I forget the name of the congressman who was kind of like lunging at Matt Gates. Remember that? Uh when, before they the vote for McCarthy and everyone was mad at Matt Gates. Um and and Democrats are like, this is not the way you act. This is a threat from a member of Congress towards a member of Congress, a Democrat towards a Democrat. I guess these things happen. But I want to know what it is Andre Carson means by getting into something else. I want to know. Like, like in, in what world is Andre Carson a, a tough guy? In what world is anybody afraid of Andre Carson? What is it possible that you think he's going to do? Now, when you're dealing with a member of Congress, you're dealing with an elected official. There are rules. So when you are not an elected official, you always got to be a little bit aware of what it is you're saying because things can be misconstrued. And next thing you know, you're being charged with some kind of crime. Oh, not me. Not me. But I, 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 I would certainly be someone to say, man, I, I, wonder, I wonder what Andre Carson means about something else because, I don't know, maybe I'd be fine with that. Right, if if Andre Carson had said to me, we could sell it's like gentlemen, or we could or we can get into something else. Well, what'd you have in mind? Tell me what you have in mind. I want to know from the tough guy, Andre Carson. I can't say it without laughing. I want to know what the something else is. What else can we get into? I, you assume, right? He's talking about a fight. I mean, what else could he possibly be talking about? We're going to settle this over a game of Scrabble? So what kind of fight are we talking about, Congressman Carson? We going to we going to um going to going to going to lace him up? Is this mixed martial arts? 20 paces? I'm I don't know what he meant. So now I need to know what Congressman Andre Carson, tough guy Andre Andre I want to know what he means by we can figure something out. Remember why the people sent him here. And if he wants to play some kind of tough guy or gangster, we can handle it like gentlemen and we can get into something else. I want to know what the something else is. I want to know what it is. For the record, I don't think that Andre Carson is capable of the something else. In no way, shape, or form. Do I think he has what it takes? But if I'm a Democrat member of Congress 
disgusted with the fact that he is siding with Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Cori Bush, Representative Ocasio-Cortez over the ceasefire, which we are fully now clear is a gift to Hamas and is supporting Hamas. Well, now I want someone to say, okay, I'll get into the other stuff with you. You want to get into something else? So do I, Andre. Now, I... As a member of society, I am not so sure I can say that. Right? Andre Carson has never said to me, we can get into something else. Oh, the man doesn't like me, which is uh, fine because I find him repugnant. And I have long excoriated here in Indianapolis, the Jewish community that invited him and, and, oh, we're so glad to sit with him and speak with him and work with him. The man never liked you. Okay, now you know it. And I am curious what Indianapolis is going to do. You you find a move to support Hamas despicable, and Andre Carson goes, want to fight? That's, that's what he does. You say it's despicable to support terrorists, and Andre Carson says, put him up, put him up. He's like the, I, I forget the, I got the cartoon. Was it a, was it a puma? Was it a cheetah? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, am I, am I ta- oh no, I'm thinking of the Wizard of Oz. He's the cowardly lion. Put him up. That's not a bad impression. That's not a bad impression. Not bad. Not bad. Broadway is in my future. I am curious where the Indianapolis so-called Jewish community is. And I say so-called because I have not heard them in one voice say, shame on you, Congressman Andre Carson. Mostly supportive of Israel. I'll say that. But I have not heard anybody say, shame on you, Andre Carson. I have not heard the Jewish community, the liberals of Indianapolis, say we're voting for a different Democrat in the 7th District. Goodbye. Haven't heard that. Haven't seen the the big articles in the Indy Star or the Indianapolis Business Journal. This is unacceptable, Andre Carson. The guy is threatening other Democratic members and the so-called leaders of Indianapolis have got nothing to say. Zero to say. State leadership, local leadership, nothing The guy supports Hamas, as per Hillary Clinton, supports Hamas and then threatens to beat up members who find that support despicable. And Indiana is silent about a guy who cavorts with and celebrates Jew haters. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. I don't know what else you want me to do. But now I'm going to start looking at them. These so-called leaders. I don't care if you own sports teams. I don't care if you used to own communications companies. I don't care if you own tech companies. I don't know. Maybe you design drugs. Maybe you run hospital groups. Maybe you build engines. Or, I don't know, have yourself a big track. Maybe you're a university president or you coach for a team. Where the hell are you? You have a member of Congress supporting terrorists and then saying that anybody who disagrees with them should be beat up. 
if you're trying to find your moral compass, replace terrorists with black people, gay people, trans people, Asian people. Go on. Then you'd find your moral compass. But it's Jews, so you don't know what you want to say. Well, the moments for grace are over. This is your representative. This is your Democrat in Indianapolis. By the way, the other Democrat in Congress, uh, he voted in favor of uh, supporting Israel. What's your plan, Indiana Democrats? With terrorists supporting, as per Hillary Clinton, I'll fight you if you disagree with me, Andre Carson. Because right now your silence is speaking volumes. I'm Tony Katz. Debate party on November 8th. Cigarsanddebate.com. That's where you get your ticket. Cigarsanddebate.com. It's free. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Myself, Americans for Prosperity, putting it on the Republican presidential primary debate watch party happening on November 8th. It's going to be excellent. You get the drinks. You get the cigar. We're going to I have commentary. The, there will be snacks because it's 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 me. Of course, there's gonna be snacks. Don't be ridiculous. Gonna be fantastic. November eighth. All you gotta do is go to cigarsanddebate.com. Cigars with a plural. That's a plural. Cigarsanddebate.com. Yeah, you're gonna check the ID. You're gonna need the ticket. You're gonna need the whole thing right there. That's how it's going to work. Find everything at TonyKatz.com T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z TonyKatz.com Tomorrow everyone, take care.